and welcome to Reim Ahuvim. This is Rabbi Yitz Greenfield, MS Marriage and Family Therapy. I'm so happy you're joining me on jrootradio.com. For those of you who are new listeners, what we do here, we try to learn and develop new skills and tools to renew and strengthen the connection you have with your spouse. Now, we do this not only from a social science perspective, but we use the Torah as our main guide and source of navigation. Happy Lagba Omer for everybody out there. There's a live show Monday morning, excuse me, Thursday morning, May 7th, the 33rd day of the Omer. Yeah, this is Lagba Omer. And ladies and gentlemen, I, I don't, you know, I'll tell you the truth. Um, many times the show is not live. Today it is live. And hopefully in the middle of the show, I hope to be able to take some of your questions. I am going to take your text at 347-927-8398, 347-927-8398. But before we do that, I just want to jump right into today's show. I want to start with, I, I could tell you one of the most fascinating stories I've heard. This has to do with Rav Shem Yechai. I cannot verify the veracity of this story, but all I can tell you is when I heard this, I was blown away, and I want to share this with you. Listen to this amazing, amazing story that happened during the lifetime of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. There was a couple during the time of Shimon Bar Yochai that, that got married, and they really, this couple knew that that marriage is not easy. You know, we speak about this all the time, and it's definitely something that's been through the ages. This couple knew this is not going to be easy. Marriage seems wonderful in the beginning, but once it sort of hits you, it's a big challenge. It's a big challenge. Of course it's rewarding, but it's a tremendous, tremendous challenge once you actually do get married. So they're getting married, and they decided, we are going to work so hard in this marriage. Mr. Hashem, we're going to bring the Shekhinah into our house. It's going to be an amazing, amazing marriage and a lot of Kedusha. Fine, they get married. It's a beautiful, big wedding. And they're married. And uh, they go back home. And they, day after day, they're working on their marriage, weeks after weeks, months after months. And everything is going really amazing except for one problem. The couple is childless. They don't have any children. All right, listen, they just got married. Fine, they figure they're going to wait. They wait. They're not going to, you know, go to Rabbanim or anything. Sometimes Kodesh Baruch wants it to come a little bit later, so fine. So they're waiting a year, two years, three years, four years, and there's no children. After a while, as you can imagine, their parents are getting worried, and they're sort of hinting things to them, and back and forth, and back and forth. And, you know, we shouldn't, nobody should have to go through this. Some of us who have gone through this know what it's all about. It's very, very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. And after approximately four or five years, they're already, you know what, let's go out. Let's, let's get bracha. So they go to get a bracha from this one and that one. And they're doing schoolists and this and that. They're trying everything. And of course they're davening in Kaddish Baruch Hu. Of course they're davening. And they don't stop working on their marriage. And they're getting closer and connected and they strengthen their marriage. And the Kedusha comes to the house unquestionably. And this couple is doing amazing except for the fact that they have no children. Fine. So they go around, they hear there's this big, 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 big tzaddik whose name is Reb Shimon Bar Yochai. And they go, they say, you know, let's go to Reb Shimon Bar Yochai for a bracha, let's ask him for advice. This is years away, they waited a couple of more years already. I'm talking almost, almost 10 years already. And they go over to Reb Shimon Bar Yochai, and somehow they arrange to be able to speak to him. And they speak to Reb Shimon Bar Yochai, and they say to him, Rebbe, Rebbe, what should we do? We're, we're, we're married now for 10 years. You know, the Gemara speaks about after 10 years, maybe we shouldn't be married anymore because we have no children. So what should we do? What should we do? We, we, we clearly love each other. We want to live together, but we have no children. <clears throat> so Rebbe, what do you think we should do? So he looks at them <clears throat> and he says to them, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I know you're not going to want to hear what I'm about to say. But I'm telling you right now, I'm going to say it as is. Okay, fine. No problem. Rebbe, please tell us. He says, I want you just to know one thing. As much as an amazing marriage you have, your mazalos, your mazal, each person has a certain mazal, a certain, you know, for those who understand what mazal is, a certain sign that, 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 that you go by, and it's just, it, your mazalos together is not meant to produce children. I, I, I don't want to tell you this, but I'm going to have to tell you this. If you want to have children... And clearly, the mission of getting, one of the biggest missions of getting married is to have children if you can. You're going to have to get remarried. You're going to have to split up, and you're going to have to get remarried. You're going to have to find someone with your mazel and get remarried, and then you'll have children. They look at Rav Shem they say to him, Rebbe, are you serious? Like, what are we supposed to do here? He says, if you're asking me, I'm going to tell you. I know you don't want to hear it, 
but the right thing to do at this point is indeed to get remarried, to separate, get remarried, don't ask any questions, and you will see, as is Hashem, you will have children. They look at it, the couple is looking at each other, crying, thinking, how can we do this? But this is wants to do. Before they leave, Shem Ba'yechai says, one second, hold on, hold on, hold on, before you leave. Let me ask you a question. Tell me a little bit about your wedding. Fine. They tell him about the wedding and how beautiful it was, and how many people came, and how much food there was, and how much music there was. He says to them, listen to me very carefully. He says to the man, when you're going to break up this marriage and give a get, what I'm asking you to do, the same way when you got married, you had a big meal, and you had a lot of people that you invited, and you had Rabbanim come, and you had music, I want you to do the exact same thing. They look at Reb Shimba and they say, to him, what? They couldn't believe their ears. And he says, yes, that's exactly what I want to do. I want you to, <clears throat> I want you to, do exactly what I'm saying. You have to make yourself a big, big party. Invite people. Make it a big event. <clears throat> Get the Rabbanim in the town. Tell them, Rabbi Shimba Yechai said, and that's what I want you to do. They look at each other. They can't understand exactly why Rabbi Shimba Yechai says this. But he said, if this is what he wants, this is what we're going to do. And as hard as it is, this is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to do. This is what they're going to do. And lo and behold, what they do is they go back home. They make invitations. They invite all these people to this event and they tell everybody that they're going to split up because this is Rabbi Shimba Yechai said and he said that they should have a big party and they should have people and music and lo and behold, this is what they do. They make a certain date and everybody comes to this event. It was very, very awkward. Very, very awkward. Very strange, but people came. And this Rabbi Shimba Yechai said, they ate, they drank, and they were merry as much as they could be merry. And the husband goes over to the wife and he says to her in tears, I don't want to do this, but this is what Shem Baichai says. And he gives her the get. And as he gives her the get, it's so hard for him to take it, so he starts drinking a little bit. He starts drinking, drinking alcohol, and he drinks and he drinks. And the more he drinks, the more tipsy he becomes. And then after a while, you see this guy is sort of like wobbly. And before the end of this event, the guy gets up. He gives a clap on the table. And he says, stop everybody. Before you go, I have an announcement to make. What's the announcement? He says, I have an announcement to make. I just want everybody to understand, he says. My wife, I am not separating or divorcing her because I want to. I am doing this because this is what I was told to do and this is the right thing. Because I love her so much and because I want to show her that I love her so much, I am telling my wife here in front of public, he says, anything that she wants, one item, anything of mine, besides the ksuva, anything of mine that she wants, she can have. Anything, she can have Anything but one thing, he says. One thing. If she wants the house, she can take the house. If she wants the horse and carriage, she can take the horse and carriage. If she wants this, whatever jewelry, one thing, whatever she wants. And as he says this, he topples down and he falls to the floor because he drank so much and he falls asleep. Fine. His ex-wife now looks at him and she looks at him and all of a sudden she calls her brother's to come really quickly, he's on the floor. She says to her brothers, do me a favor, pick him up, bring him, bring him to my mother's house, just bring him there quickly and let him sleep. Fine. They take him, they pick him up, they take him to, his, to her mother's house. The following morning, this man wakes up, he's like, where am I, where am I? He looks around and he sees his ex-wife. She looks at him and he says, well, what's going on? He says, don't you remember? We got divorced last night, she says to him. He looks at her and he remembers, and all of a sudden his face becomes sad. She says to him, do you remember you told me last night in front of everybody? You said, I can choose one item, and whatever item that I choose one thing, you will give it to me. He said, yes, I did say that, and I am going to keep to my word. She looks at her ex-husband in tears, and she says to him, I'll tell you what I want. And he looks at her, he's like, yeah, what do you want? Anything, just tell me what you want, I'll, I'll, I'll give you. He says, I'll tell you what I want, she says. She says, I want one thing, and that thing is you. I want you. 
I want you back. I cannot take this. I need you back. I want you back. You promised last night in front of hundreds of people. You have to be Mikhaim, your promise. You have to fulfill your promise. You said, and I want you back. The man didn't know what to do. He looks at her in shock. He says, let's go back to Reb Shimba Yechai. They both go back to Reb Shimba Yechai, and they tell Reb Shimba Yechai the story. And the woman looks at Reb Shimba Yechai and says, I listened to everything that you said, but my, hu- my ex-husband said, he said, he'll give me anything and I want him back. She says to him, Rebbe, don't I deserve him back? Rebbe Shem looks at them and he says to him, not only do you deserve him back, you're definitely going to take him back. And the whole reason for this whole party was for you to get to this situation today. And now HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees the sincerity, the love, the connection that you two have, and you will be blessed with a child for next year. And indeed, the couple got remarried, and they had a child the following year, who they called Shimon. I heard the story. I cannot verify the veracity of the story, but I can tell you it was such a powerful story that I said to myself, this I have to share with my audience. This I have to share with my audience. Ladies and gentlemen, Torah tells us to leave our parents' house and to get married. Davak, Vekis, Vahayu Lebasarachad. You know, and we know who doesn't know Barashis, who doesn't know? It says that, yeah, of course we get married. And everyone's so excited in the beginning. And the chasana and the preparations and the kala and mazel tovs, mazel tovs. And everybody, those of you who have children and those of you who remember getting married recently or not recently. And there's all these mazel and you're preparing with the dresses and the outfits and the gowns and the chasan hat and the this and the that. And the vart and the afraf and everybody has their customs to do. We get married, we're so excited. We just want to have that deep, deep, deep connection and understanding, the emotional connection and being there for each other and to bring the Shekhinah into our house. And what happens? We're faced with challenges. It happens to everyone. We're faced with challenges and we don't ask for challenges. We want to be together emotionally. We want to connect. We want our neshamas to unite and to bond, but we have all these challenges. First of all, we get busy. We get so busy, especially the men want to make a living, want to work, or we're in kolel, and we just get busy with our thing. And that connection, that yichud, that bond, that devekah slowly starts dissipating. And that's where we have to fight. That's where we have to work. That's where we have to create the real devekah in the house. Because, of course, the beginning connection of the marriage is beautiful. And the connection is, I'm not saying it's not real, but as it dissipates, that's when the ultimate, and that's, where the consistent, the one that's, that's going to stay, that connection starts developing. People ask me, they say, you know what? You know the initial love, you know, guy gets married to a girl, they get married, chas and kala, and they're all in love. Is that real? So Yes, it's real, but it's not, that's not the permanence. That's not the highlight of a marriage. That's not the pinnacle, the apex. The apex of the marriage is when the couple works on their relationship, and they're faced with the challenges. And all of a sudden, they're shocked by what their spouse is doing. Telling their spouse does something, we're like, oh boy, ah, what? You're picking from the salad? I never saw such a thing. What are you, what? You're leaving the breakfast on the t- breakfast table? On the table? What? Why did you call me? I thought you were going to spend time with me. Now you're out? We don't spend time with each other anymore. And we have kids, and we get busy, those of us who have kids, and it just gets so busy, and before we know it, we don't have that bond, the original bond, so in order to get that bond, we have to work for that bond. We have to work very, very, very hard. This connection that we have at home, this is, this is like the muscle to the connection we have between a Kaddish Baruch Hu. We say Shira Shirim, we just did it in the end of Pesach. It says Shira Shirim. Shira Shirim is all about the unity, the love between a man and his wife. And that unity between a man and his wife is the mushal, is the parable for the unity between Hashem and us. 
It's all the same. It's the same Kedusha. And we have to work on it. And that's where we build the Via Hafta L'Riach HaKamocha that we said last week in last week's parasha. Ken Yashem. That's where we work on it. Why does it say, why does it say Via Hafta L'Riach HaKamocha should love your neighbor as yourself, right? Everybody knows the story. Ani Hashem. I am Hashem. What's the reason of Ani Hashem? Don't do it because you feel it's the right thing. Of course it's the right thing. Do it when you don't want to do it. Do it at home when your husband's making you crazy. When your wife all of a sudden... Blows a gasket, as people tell me. That's when you have to control yourself. That's when you're not leading yourself into machlokas. That's when you're at your pinnacle. When you say, Hashem, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. But it's so hard. It's so hard. Of course it's hard. But boy, is it rewarding. Boy, oh boy, is it rewarding. I want to mention a story that happened. And this week is a theme. I mentioned it Monday night. But I want to mention it again because it's such a fabulous story. When I originally, originally, many, many years ago when I got involved with marriage counseling, one of the first couples that I ever had. Young couple, they come to me. I'm like, what's the problem? I say, Rabbi Greenville, you got to hear this. This is crazy what happened to us. What happens? We just got married. And a couple of weeks after our chasana, after our wedding, we're invited to go to our friend's house. Yeah, our friend's house. Yeah, so who's friend? Let's call the guy. Let's say the name, guy's name is Moshe. The girl's name is Miriam, okay? So Moshe is, invi- is invited to his friend Let's give him a name to his friend David's house. And David is Sfardi. Now Moshe and Miriam are not Sfardi. They're Ashkenaz. And they're invited to David's house. David is, they're both newlyweds. Moshe and Miriam. And let's call David and Rachel. Okay? David and Rachel are the Sfardis. And Moshe and Miriam are the Ashkenaz. And they're going over to each other's house. So Moshe says to Miriam before they go, says, you, want to, you sure you want to come here? Because it's a really close friend of mine. I know you don't know the girl. And hopefully you'll, you'll make friends. But... He's a good friend of mine, but I will tell you, he is Sephardi, and they're going to prepare Sephardi food. Are you going to be okay with that? And she's like, yeah, not a problem. Don't worry. It'll be fine. Fine. So what happens is they go to their house for Shabbat, for Shabbos. And what happens is Friday night after shul, they come back, and the meal is prepared beautifully. But lo and behold, it's Sephardi food. Now, Miriam looks at the food. She figures, okay, I'll taste it. And she starts eating the food, and it's... It just wasn't to her liking. Not that Sephardi food is not good. I happen to love Sephardi food. But what? It wasn't to her liking. It wasn't to her liking. She wasn't used to it. So she's trying this, you know, tabula and the kibbe, lachmajina. She's, she's just picky, nitpicky on it. And she's like, she can't eat. And she figures that her husband's looking at her and he sees that she can't eat. But okay, fine. He'll do whatever he can. All right, they have a beautiful meal. And after the meal, she figures her husband's going to come over to her and say to her, by the way, I saw you didn't eat anything. Are you okay? He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Instead... Instead, they finish the meal, they go to sleep the next morning, they go to shul, goes to shul again, comes back from shul, and again, there's Sephardi food. At this point, Miriam thinks to herself, okay, he's definitely going gonna to notice that I'm not eating anything. He's definitely going to say something. But no, he doesn't. He, he talks to her, and then there's a conversation, and after the meal, they're going to take a walk or whatever, but he doesn't talk to her about anything. She's like, what? it's so strange, there's nothing here. Later on Shabbat, what happens? It's what? It's Motzei Shabbat. But say Shabbat, sorry, Shudat Slishit, and again, the same thing, she's not eating anything. At this point, she's getting really hungry. She figures, okay, for sure, at the end of this meal, at the end of Shabbat, he's definitely going to come over to me. He's going to say to me that you're hungry, let's go. But no, that's not what happens. Instead, what happens is, at the end of Shabbat, David comes over to Moshe, says, Moshe, maybe we should just stay here. I know you guys want to go, but how about you guys stay here a little bit and watch our wedding video? So... Moshe figures, okay, he's going to have to ask his wife. He just got married. What do you mean? He says, Miriam, and he puts her on the spot, as you can imagine. He says, Miriam, um, you want to, uh, they, want to, they want us to stay here and watch the wedding video. What do you think? And she's like looking at him, and she's like really being put on the spot. And she just can't believe he's actually asking her that question. But you know what? She says, no problem. She figures it'll be 15, 20 minutes. She says, no problem. Let's go. Let's, let's watch the wedding video. And they sit there, and they're watching the wedding video. And she's looking at him. Miriam's looking at Moshe. He's like, hello, this guy is so into the video. I don't understand. Like, he doesn't care about me. I haven't eaten anything the whole Shabbat. And they're watching. the. He's watching the wedding video, watching the wedding video. She gets so upset. She just walks out of the room. And guess what? He doesn't even notice. He just keeps on watching the wedding video. Till 15 minutes later, he realizes and he says, oh, boy, where's my wife? Okay, fine. He figures maybe she went out to the restroom. Another five, ten minutes later, he's like, okay, I got to go check on my wife. He goes upstairs to the room that they were sleeping in, and there, lo and behold, he opens the door, and he sees his wife, and she is bawling. She is crying her heart out. This guy is shocked. He's like, what's going on? He goes over to her, and he's like, Miriam, what's going on? What's going on? She looks at him. She goes to him, what? 
you're asking me what's going on. I don't believe you. And he says, no, no, seriously, wh- wh- why are you upset? Tell me. She's, she's like, nothing, just nothing, just nothing. And he's like, he's complete confused. He just got married. He had a great relationship until now. This is their first fight. He has no idea what she's upset at. He's looking at her and he's like, but tell me, please, what's the matter? She's like, what's the matter? She looks at him, she says, I haven't eaten anything the whole Shabbat. You didn't notice? Didn't you notice? I couldn't stand the food. He's like, but I thought you liked the food. I thought I liked the food also, but I couldn't eat the whole Shabbat. And I'm looking at you and I thought you're going to come over to me and ask me and like anything but nothing. You just don't care. You just don't care. I should have figured. I should have known. You don't care. He's just like, oh my gosh, okay, I got to fix it. I got to fix this. He says, okay, no problem. Let's go. Let's go. He goes downstairs, tells his friend, listen, David, I have to go. I'm sorry. You have to watch the video. I can't expect. I have to go. He goes back upstairs. He grabs the bags. He packs really quickly. He says, come, let's go, let's go. They both get into the car, and he gets into the car. He's driving like an animal. He drives to the local pizza shop, runs to the pizza shop, gets her favorite salad, comes back into the car, opens the salad, says, here, I got you a salad. She looks at him. She says to him, I don't believe this. This is all you have to do. He's like, what do you mean all I have to do? You said you were hungry. I got you a salad. She looks at him, and she says to him, I don't believe this. I'm telling you what happened to me on Shabbat and all you have to do is go to the pizza shop, come back and get me a salad. What's your problem? He's like, what's my problem? But you're hungry. I don't understand. And he's standing there confused. After this, after this whole first machlokas, somehow they got referred to me. They come to me and they tell me the story and they're looking at each other like, like, like they have no idea. They really had no idea. Like what should they do? So I'm looking at them, and I'm assessing the situation and trying to understand what happened here. What really happened here? What happened here is that she had a whole bunch of assumptions about her husband. That's what she had. She had assumptions that she thought that her husband will notice, will be able to tell. He'll know all the things that she needs. She thought that the end of Shabbat, he would take her out. He would come over to her. He would ask her. He had no idea. She thought, you know what? Maybe she would go back to her room. He would run after her. He would notice that she just left the room. He had no idea. She thought that if she cries, then he's going to come and he's going to see her crying. At least then he'll he'll realize what she needs. He had no idea. He had absolutely no idea. Ladies who are listening to this, many of you who are married know exactly what I'm talking. Sometimes your husband has no clue. He really has no clue. He has no idea. He has no clue. He doesn't know. He has no idea. And I tell this to all the couples who I see, give the men instruction. Now, before I say this, I said, I'm saying, give the men instruction. Ladies, don't get upset at me. Don't get upset at me because you're going to hear the end of this and then you'll understand why I'm saying this part also. But first thing that you have to know, your role, of course you would love that your husband would notice that you're coming home with the shopping bags, that he gets up and takes the shopping bags and says, how can I help you? Which woman doesn't want her husband to say, how can I help you? Everybody wants to say, how can I help you? But men don't always notice. He's not necessarily going to notice the fact that you came in with the shopping bags. He's not going to notice that the kids are making you crazy that you need help. He's not going to notice that there are so many guests this Shabbat that you're going to need a little help clearing off the table. He's not going to know that. Instead of getting upset, why don't you give him the instructions? It's so important. Of course, we talk about how to give instructions. You can't just say, yeah, yeah. Some of you are listening to me, you're thinking, Rabbi Greenfield, I, I, I tell my husband all the time. I tell him and I tell him and I tell him and I tell him. And he listens to me, but not all the time. Like some things he never listens to me. So how do I do it? So that's why I always say when you give him the instructions, give him an opportunity to make you happy. You don't have to say it'll make me very happy, but give him the opportunity. Give him the opportunity. You could say to your husband, Moshe, I don't know if you realize it, but I could really use some help right now. Nothing wrong with saying that. I can really use some help. I don't know if you realize, instead of expecting him to do it, of course you would love him to do it, but always say, I don't, I don't know if you realize it. I'm not upset at you. I don't know if you realize it now, but I could really, I could really use some help. I don't know if you realize it, but we haven't spent alone time for a good couple of days now. If you could spend some alone time, it would really make me happy. I know how busy you are. And it's always important. I always talk about this. And it, I drill it enough in everybody's mind, mine included, that it's so important to always defend your husband or your wife before you give them instructions or before you criticize them or before you tell them anything that's threatening. Always defend them. Don't let them defend themselves. Defend them. Tell them, I know how difficult it is for you. I know you come back home every night. You're so shot. You work so hard. 
I know how hard it is, but if we could spend some time tonight, even 10, 15 minutes alone, I'd really appreciate it. Now, some of you who are listening to this are like, I have to tell my husband? Like, I don't understand this. This wasn't like this in the beginning of marriage. Well, guess what? Every marriage is like this. Every marriage is like this. Oh, but I know one marriage, they never get into fights, and they don't, whatever, and they're all okay. No, no, let me tell you, there may be a little bit, and some, don't get upset at me with this, they may be called over mevater. That's what, over mevater means they're just soaking it in, soaking it in, but they're not happy. They're not getting their needs. They're not spending the time that they have to. They're not being helped. They're miserable and saying, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And they stonewall each other. Are there people who could be mevater and such a high madrega? Of course there are. Bakiva's wife, I mean, you know what I'm saying? She, she let him go for years and years and years. That's a madrega we don't, we're not there today at. Maybe there's some yechidim that are at. But we have to speak, ladies, to give your husband instruction. Of course be mevater. But if you know that you're going to feel resentful later on, tell him. Tell your husband. Say to him. It would make me really happy. You know, next, I'm just reminding you, you might not remember, but next week is my birthday. What, I have to remind my husband? Yeah, yeah. But he should know himself. Of course he should know himself. But if you know that your husband forgets every year, why catch him again and like, oh, let's see if he remembers my birthday. Let's see if he remembers my anniversary. Why don't we just give him instructions? Give him instructions. I'm just reminding you next week's my birthday. If you don't get me anything, I understand. But I really liked ABCDFG. Not too expensive. But I really like whatever it is. That's it. Now, that's as far as the ladies is concerned. As far as the men who are listening to this, this is, this is very important. On Lagba Omer, this is so important. What I want to say, let's tune in. The women should not have to give us instructions. They should, they should have to give instructions certain things we don't know. And ladies, now I'm talking to the men, so try to ignore this. So men, men, tune in. Tune in to your wife's emotions. It's very, of course, we're not tuned in. We have so many things. And, you know, when we get focused, we get focused. We can't, like... We, we don't multitask like a woman. We can't, like, wash the dishes while speaking on the phone, while worrying about the kugel that's going to get burned and thinking about how we're going to make the challenge. We, we don't do that. We focus one thing at a time, and it's very hard. So if our wife calls us in the middle of the day, we're like, I, I can't talk to you right now. I know how hard it is, but this is your wife. This is your wife. This is an opportunity to bring the Shekhinah, the holiness, the Kedusha. Why do we call Kedushin? That's, think about it. We get mad. Kedushin. It's holy. It's holy when we work on it. If you don't work on your marriage, it's not going to be anything. It's going to be nothing. It either goes up or goes down. It's like a nuclear reactor. Think about your marriage like a nuclear reactor, okay? You have a nuclear reactor. It can either light up the whole city or it could destroy a whole city. That's what marriage is. And you could turn it around right now today. Today, you could turn it around. Call your wife. I'm just thinking about you. Text your wife. I'm thinking about you. How was your day? How did you feel about that? You see your wife is upset. You seem upset. Is everything okay? And I'm not talking about when they, you think that they're upset at you. Because that's a whole different parasha. I'm not, I'm not going there. You seem upset. Is everything okay? You look tired. Can I get you a cold drink? Can I help you with the bags? I'm just calling you to let you know that I'm thinking about you. Men, you don't understand when you tune into your wife's emotions, even if she was upset at you today. I don't care if she's upset at you this morning. Send her a text. Give her a call. Tune her to her emotions. You're going to change her day. You're bringing the Shekhinah. You are the Gomel. She's the Dalit. You're the Gimel. She's the Dalit. You are giving her what she needs. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees your Vatranis. He sees how you... It's hard for you. You know, many ladies complain to me. They say, say to me, Rebecca Greenfield, you know, yeah, my, you know, I feel like my husband's forcing, forcing himself to spend time with me. Like, I'm not really interested in that. Okay, uh, ladies, I want you to listen to this a second, okay? Husband's forcing you to spend time with you. This is very important I'm about to say now. Men get very focused. It's very hard for them to move from one area to the area. It's not like a woman who she could like multitask, do this, that, the other thing. When a man gets focused, whether it's Torah, whether it's business, whether it's an issue, when he's analyzing, whatever, it's very hard for him to switch. So, of course, the beginning sometimes of him trying to spend time with you or paying attention to you or being there for you, you might feel that he's really not there for you. Like, hello, are you there with me? But as long as you see that he's trying, really trying, I'm not talking about where he's on the phone, he's texting, he's looking at the news. He gives you the phone and man, please give her the phone. Give it. You're spending quality time with your wife. Give her the phone. Give her the phone and spend time with her. Now, ladies, you're going to notice like your husband's not really into you. Like, you know what? Give him some time. He wants to spend time with you. Like, I, 
I, I, I don't like maybe know this. I know this for sure. Your husband wants to spend time with you. I have no question about this. Every man who I ever meet, his number one objective is to make his wife happy. Not because he has to, because he wants to. That's what gives him fulfillment. And what gives him more fulfillment is once he starts talking to you and be able to listen to you and connecting to you. And as hard as it is for the men to do it in the beginning, once they get into it, they enjoy it. And that's why I'm saying to the ladies, give your husband instructions. And I'm saying to the men, but don't let that get to that. Try that. You try to be there before. If you know that your wife is coming home and she doesn't like the mess at home, so clean up the house really fast. You clean up, clean up before, before he gets, before she gets upset. Clean up before. But ladies, on the other hand, you also know that he's not going to clean up. So call him up and say to him, I'm coming home in, in, in about a half an hour. If the house is clean, I'll be very happy. If the house is not clean, I'm going to feel very bad. Don't tell him what to do. Give him the opportunity. That's why it's so important to, for the men to tune in emotionally and for the women to give instructions. And this is like a pivotal piece of connection. This is a pivotal piece of the vacus of Basar Echad, of that unity, of that Kedusha that comes into the house. By the way, you know who benefits the most? For those of you who have children, your children. Your children. Because they're going to see this marriage, and that's the marriage that they're going to emulate, simulate. That's the marriage that they're going to have in their house. And not only that, it, it amplifies their self-esteem, their self-worth, their conscientiousness. They're going to feel better about themselves. They're going to learn better because their Shekhinah is in the house. That's the bottom line. The Shekhinah is in the house. What I'm going to do now, I'm going to give you all an opportunity to text me. I have more. We have. I want to move on to the class. I don't know that I'm going to have time for all your texts. Blina, I will try to answer all your texts. If not live here, but definitely off the off off the air. But here's the text. If you have questions or comments or feedback, three uh, three four seven nine two seven eight three nine eight. Again, our text number here is three four seven nine two seven eight three nine eight. We. Are live here, Lagba Omer, Thursday morning. One more time, 347-927-8398. And we will take a short break, and we, as Hashem, will be right back. Oh, I'm a 
and welcome back to Ray Mahovim. This is Rabbi Yitz Greenfield, MS Marriage and Family Therapy. Today, we are here on Lagba Aymer Live. We are taking some of your questions. Baruch Hashem, we have a lot of questions that are coming in here. I don't know that I'm going to be able to answer all of them, but I most definitely will try to answer some of them. And hopefully I'll have Siyat Shemaya to give you some proper guidance in this area. Okay, listen to this. this. I like this interesting question. Here, listen to this question. I think this is a good question. I think you're all going to enjoy this. Listen to this. A lot is mentioned about respecting one's husband. Can you give me real-life examples of how I can show him that I truly respect him? You know, it's funny. Before I went to this field, um, the buzzword always was respect. That Men want respect. They need to massage their ego. They need respect. They need respect. They need respect. I don't think respect, as much as respect is important, I think a better word for that is really validation. A man wants to feel validated and he wants to feel fulfilled. He, man's primary need is to feel fulfilled. And in his marriage, he feels fulfilled when he does something for you and you appreciate him. So that's not, that's really, think about if you like focus at that core of what does my husband do for me that I appreciate, that I can tell him and I can respect him. So number one, I want to tell you, ladies, a lot of men complain about this. You know, we have our roles in life, right? It used to be, it used to be men used to work and the women used to take care of the kids and stay at home. Today, it doesn't really work like that. Today, women work also, but nonetheless, still in, our, in the from Jewish community, at the end of the day, it's the man's responsibility generally to bring the Parnassah, take care of the Parnassah. If he's in Kolel, then obviously his wife is working. But I know many times, even in Kolel, when the wife is working, the man pretty much wants to feel that he has more of the, involved the Cheshbonos, involved the mathematics, but that's what it seems. So let's say your husband, your husband, let's say he works very hard. Let's say, let's say, if he's the person who's asking this question, your husband, he works very hard. And of course, what do you mean? He works. It's so important for a man to be to hear from his wife. You know, you work very hard for this family. I, just want, I, I don't get to tell you this all the time, but I really appreciate it. You work like a dog. I just want to tell you, I really do appreciate it. A text, a nice text to get. You know, for, for how many men that would be important? How many men work so hard and all they feel is that their wives spend their money? But it, it's so important for the man to feel that his wives be patient. Now, sometimes your husband is not working. He might be in kolal. Then you say to your husband, you know, I really appreciate the fact that you're a kolel. Your investment in kolel is, is for olam olamim. It's forever. And I so much appreciate that. It's important for men to hear the appreciation for the, everything they do, number one. Some men, I will tell you the truth, especially if they saw this in their parents' house, it's important. Ramam Ram speaks about this. The Ramam says, you know, the woman's obligation, take care of her husband. He says, even wash her feet. Obviously today, his feet today, obviously we don't do that. It's like, come on, the wash my husband's feet. What is the Ramah I'm talking about? The Ramah knows exactly what he's talking about. Those days, that's what they did. For many men, it's important for them to be served. For many men, it's important for you to be able to say, okay, here, can I give you this? Can I give you that? They want to feel like a king, at least in their own home. At least in their own home. I'm not talking about where you do it to a point where your husband abuses you and says, uh, can you get me this? Can you get me that? Can you get me the other thing? Like nonstop, doesn't let you rest. If that happens, which actually has happened with the couple, if that happens, the husband's like, can I do this? Can I have that? Can I have thing? And you can't do it anymore? Say to him, I would love to do that for you, but I, I'm just really tired right now. I need a little break. And by the way, this is very important just in general. Whenever you're like rejecting your spouse, don't ever say no to your spouse. Do me a favor. Don't ever say no to your spouse. Don't say, no, I can't do it. No, no, no. You can say that to your friends. You can say that to whoever you want. I would say, say it to your Rebbe before you say it to your spouse. You don't use the word no to your spouse. Your spouse is an opportunity for the Shekhinah to come down. If you, your spouse wants something and you can't do it, you say to him, I would love to do that. This is especially for the men also. If your wife, if your wife asks you something, she wants money, you can't give her money, you don't have the money right now, she wants you to come on time, you can't come home time, I would love to give you money for the kids. I would love to come home on time, but I can't do it right now. So there's another example. The examples of respect, very pivotal one is when your husband comes home, greet him. He didn't have an easy day. Maybe at work his boss chewed him up. Maybe in Kolelus Chavrusa was arguing with him and showed him that he doesn't know what he's talking about. His Maybe he's not feeling well. And even if he's not feeling well, it's really hard out there. He comes home, Greet your husband. And even if you're busy with the kids, stop everything. Stop everything. Come to your husband and say to him, I'm so happy to see you. I'm so happy to see you. That gives him a validation for the whole day. 
He really does. It gives him validation for the whole day. You know, men don't need to spend time with their wives, but they need to be validated. He comes home, greet your husband. You don't know what you're doing when you're greeting your husband. You could like completely calm him down just by greeting him, but give him that real greeting. Okay, so that's that. Next question. Next question. Oh boy. Oh boy, you have a lot. Okay, hold on a second here. We are. Oh my. Okay. Wow, we have. Okay, Baruch Hashem. Let's go on. Okay. I thank you so much for the amazing shiurim. You give it helps me so much. Now I have a little problem. My husband is having a really hard time at work and he's, he's really uptight and upset. Being on his edge the whole time, having a short fuse, bumping into family members, his and Maine. And the hardest part for me, using bad words. Whoa. What should I do? How can I help him? Let's do this again. Hi, thanks so much for that. I have a problem. My husband is having a really hard time at work. He's really uptight and upset, being on his edge the whole time, having a short fuse, bumping into family members, and using bad words. <sighs> okay, this is hard. This is hard. I, I, I've seen couples of this. Your husband has a short fuse. He's miserable. He's sebrachin. He comes home. He's just upset, negative, and it gets you negative. What do you do? What do you do? It's so hard. It's so hard. His negativity he doesn't stop with his negativity. He doesn't stop with his negativity. What should I do? Listen to me, ladies. If your husband is negative, he's sebrachin, he's forbittered, and it's hard for you because you also had a hard day and you need to talk. Let him vent. Let your husband vent. Listen to me a second. But I let him vent. He doesn't stop complaining. Let him vent. Let him vent. Meaning, let him let it off his chest. He has to let it off his chest. Not just once. On a daily basis, he comes home, he needs to vent. What happened? You don't know what happened. I or some husband, I don't want to talk about it. Fine, let him go into his cave. When he comes back out, say to him, how was your day? What happened today? So he's going to start complaining about this, complaining about that. And everybody knows he's complaining. Let him vent. Let it get it. Let him get it out of his system. Once he gets it out of his system, he might not realize that he did, and he's still on this, this like complaining rage. Then you could say to him, okay, if we can focus now on something positive, that'd be great. I know you had an incredible day, but let's focus on, I, I, sorry, don't say to him. Say, I want to focus on something positive. Let me tell you something positive that happened today. Tell me what you think. You know, today, our daughter Mindy, she came back home from, from, from kindergarten, and look at what she bought. Isn't this cute? So now, Take this negativity and turn it into positivity. But the only way you can do that is only if you allow him to vent. But he doesn't st stop, Robert Greenfield. The guy doesn't stop. All he is is miserable. He's miserable, miserable, miserable. I'm telling you, ladies, let him get it off his chest. After he gets it off his chest, he's going to want to keep on doing it because he's in that mode. Turn it around and say to him, that's horrible. I, I want to tell you something positive now. Tell me, what do you think about what happened? It's positive. Hopefully, you have to turn it into positivity. Once you do that, then you're allowed to vent. Then you can say, can I tell you a little bit about my day? That's what you want to do. He has to be allowed to vent. If he's using bad words, then say to him, I understand you had a hard day. Let's, I, and I understand. I totally understand why you're saying these things. And that's terrible. Not while he's frustrated, but on a different time, say to him, I, I so want to hear about your day, but could we could we try not to use these bad words? If we could try not to use that bad words, I'd really appreciate it. Not when he's upset. At a different time. On Shabbat or this or that. Find the time. Say to him, I know you're upset, and I know you don't mean it, but if we could use other words, that would really make me happy. As opposed to, can you stop saying these types of words? Where are you? What, do you live in a barn? Okay. That's that. And that's, and that's short. Again, obviously, a lot of these cases are going to need therapy. I'm not saying that. They're going to need a therapist to speak to the person. It might come from childhood. It might be complex. It might involve abuse. I'm telling you like the short, the short answers here. Let's move on. What do I do if when I need help and ask my husband, he says, yes, ma'am. He does exactly the three things I ask him all in one minute. Then he's like, anything else? I feel so bad to ask him stuff because he's really working hard. He doesn't know how to do each thing leisurely. So your problem basically is that your husband just like, he just like jumps to the opportunity to make you happy. He does everything at one time. Okay, anything else? And you're feeling bad, what I'm saying. You're feeling bad because like you want him to do it in a nice way, in a relaxed way, not in a way like that. Okay, it's an issue. I, I'm not saying you don't have an issue, but you have to remember your husband wants to make you happy. That's always, a, this, this is a man. This is a guy. He's like, how can I do? Bob the Builder, let me fix it. What can I do? Let's go. Yalla, yalla, yalla. Let's go. Let's fix it for you. What do you want? What else? It's not coming from a bad place. I'm telling you it's not coming from a bad place. If you want him to do things leisurely and it's something that 
Well, first, let, let, actually, let's be realistic for a second, okay? If he's fulfilling what you want right away, and he's just doing what you want, okay, he did what you want. You have a problem, you're afraid to ask him more things? You can say that to him. You can say to him, Moshe, Yaakov, honey, whatever you call him, say to him, listen, I, I, I just, thank you so much. I really appreciate what you did now. It made me so happy. Please say that to him. Ladies, don't forget this piece. Like, sometimes people call me and this that. Don't forget this piece. It made me so happy when you fixed the light bulb, when you took out the garbage. I can't tell you how happy I am. And I feel bad to ask you something else. Is it okay if I talk to you about something else? And either he'll say yes or he'll say no. And then you could say to him, because like when you do it so fast, when you do it so fast, like I feel like you don't really want to do it and like you just want to get rid of it and just want to move on. I don't know. It's like I feel like I feel uncomfortable. Express your feelings. Say, I feel uncomfortable. You do it so fast. Ask him. I see you do it so fast. Why are you doing it? I'm just wondering why do you do it so fast? Because you want to make me happy. Speak to him. Share your feelings with him. Don't be scared of him. He loves you. He wants to make you happy. After you share your feelings with him, say to him, "Is it okay if I ask you for something else?" And he'll tell you either yes or he'll tell you no. And if it's no, understand that he needs some time to relax. If it's yes and he does it, make sure to put him on the pedestal afterwards. Let's move on. Let's move on. Next question. Okay, we're going to focus on questions here. My husband just started a new business and he's very stressed. Oh, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. And pressured. And I feel it's affecting our marriage. What can I do to make him feel better? This is a tough one, too, because this is, this is standard protocol. People start businesses, and they, remember men, they get focused. They cannot release their focus, and they're there. They're, like, drowning in this business. All they can think about the business is how to make more money and more money and more money and more money. Oh, and, and the truth of the matter is, the beginning of business is hard, and it's affecting your marriage, and you want to make him feel better. So what we spoke about before is pivotal. He needs someone to talk to. I don't care what. You know, people think only ladies. It's not true. Women, women, needs, women need to connect. Men also have a need to connect. They might not realize it. They might start maybe going on their the phone or, or they, read a, they, they read a newspaper or whatever and they try to distract themselves. But they need it as much as you need it, ladies. They need it. Speak to him. Let him vent. Let him release. After he does that, you could say to him, I know you're so busy. I know this is a crazy, crazy time. I feel that we're not connecting, though. If you can't do it, remember, car, cut off his alarm system, accept rejection. This is like, this is a very big piece here. If you can't do it, I understand. Say to your husband, if you can't do it, I understand. But if we could spend some quality time, maybe tomorrow night, maybe five, ten minutes, it'd really make me happy. You don't have to feel like a loser because you say that. What, what would you rather do? What would you rather do? Just like, okay, he's busy. He's got a new business. We don't spend time. You're going to become resentful. I'm telling you, you're going to become resentful. And you know who's going to end up suffering? If you have children, the children are going to end up suffering because they're going to feel it. So say to your husband, cut off his alarm system, accept rejection, make the request in the proper way, and you're going to see it's okay. But if you want to help him in the business, I'm telling you the best way just to listen to him. That's what he wants. Next. Oh, this is a cute one. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I, I say cute because I've heard this so many times. Which it, you know, you, you think this is not common. It's so common. My wife hates it when I say hamapil. What can I do? Oh, I love this question. The reason I love this question is why? Because your wife hates it. Why is she hating when you say hamapil? Let me take a guess. Because she's, she's anti-hamapil. She doesn't like Hamapil, she thinks it's a bad, it's a bad bracha. You, you, you can't say it at night and I can't talk to you. Eh, it's just, I don't do it, so you shouldn't do it. You know why she hates Hamapil. The reason she hates Hamapil is because it's time to go to sleep and she maybe wants to talk to you. She maybe wants to share something with you. And what are you? You're busy saying Hamapil. Like, hello, like, we haven't spent time all day. We haven't had quality time together. And now you're saying Hamapil? Like, I feel like, like this is more important to you than something else. Work it out to a situation where you say to your, your wife, this is what I'm telling you. This is called collaborative therapy. This is what you do. Speak to your wife. I'm telling you she has a solution for this. I am telling you she has a solution. You know, sometimes I have solutions. I'm telling you your wife has a solution. Say to her how you feel. Don't be scared. I know you're a man. Don't be scared of your wife but to express your feelings. Say to your wife, can I talk to you for a second? Yes. I know how much you don't like to meet when I say I'm apple because when I say I'm apple, I'm so like, I'm completely, you know, I, I'm, I say it slowly and I ignore you. I understand that. Is there any way I could do it? Will you be okay with it? Is there any way I could do it? I'm telling you she's going to give you the answer. She'll tell you to say it before or she'll tell you if you spend time with me that I wouldn't care so much or say it quickly or whatever it is. 
that's that. As far as talking afterwards, etc., that you have to ask a rav. Are you allowed to talk after? Ask a posek. You know, the rabbi doesn't mean I'm a posek. I'm not. The ask a posek. If if you know your wife wants to talk to you after maple, what do you should do? But I'm telling you, 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 this case, your wife has the answer to this question. Okay, next. Beautiful story. I really gain from your lectures, even though I'm not married. It's for the future. Yes, actually, it is. It is for the future, and I'm so happy you're listening to the show. And Mir Hashem, I'm going to come out with MP3s as well. In the future, I'll talk to everybody about it. Um, it's so important, those of you who are not married, to listen to these shows because you want to prepare yourself. You want to prepare yourself for uh, for for your marriage. Next, hi. What to do if a husband father hasn't been attentive to the kids there, but not really there, and the damage has been done. They are pre-marriage age, and I'm worried about the effects on their future. Low self-esteem, confidence. You know, I want to tell you it's salvageable. It's salvageable, but it's tough. Everything is salvageable. The truth is everything is salvageable. There's always a Yeshua, right? There's always Yeshua. Keherifayin. Keherifayin. The Yeshua can always be there. But I will tell the people who are listening to this, it's a big problem. It is a big problem because the damage is done. I don't mean it can't be fixed, but damage is done. Don't wait till your kids are older to spend time with them. Well, these teenagers, a lot of them are going off the there. One of the issues is, I'm not saying, don't get me wrong, there's a whole, you can have the most amazing, beautiful, a great family and your kids could go off, chas shalom. Maybe socially something is going to school, but a big piece to try to help them spend quality time with the children. Spend quality time with the children. And here you have someone who hasn't gone and the damage is done, right? They're pre-marriage. She's worried about the effects of their future. I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. There is what to be worried about. There is what to be worried about. There most definitely is to be worried about. And in these particular situations, I would say it is pivotal for them to listen to lectures, to listen to classes. I'm going to come out with MP3s. Other MP3s will make a difference and sometimes they're going to need Premarital counseling, individual therapy. It really does help. It does help. It does help. But what I would also say, what I would also say, it's still not too late for your husband. He could still spend quality time with him. And if it's boys, he has to make sure he validates them. That's pivotal. To validate, validate, and validate some more. If it's a boy, for him to sit with him and say to him, you know, that's very smart. That's a good idea. I never thought about that. What do you think? I have something I want to do. I'm in my business. What do you think, Moshe? He's never done this in the past, but let him do it with his daughter. You know, I feel like we don't spend time. Why don't we go out? Why don't we spend some time? So what if she's 15, 16 years old? It could still help. Well, my husband's not going to do it. So speak to him the way I always say. Find a good time. Find a good time. He's not hungry, angry, tired, or stressed. Sit him down and say to him, I know how difficult it is for you. I really do. And, you know, we didn't speak about it too much in our marriage, but it'll make me so happy if you could spend some quality time with our kids. Maybe take them out. I don't know. If you could do it, I'd appreciate it. If you can't do it, I understand. Do that one night. Do it another night. Do it another night. Try to do that. And you'll see, eventually he's going to listen. It's really not too late. It's really, really not too late. I have other questions here. I don't have time to answer them. I want to tell you, I'm going to try to answer them via text next week. Also, Blina, on Monday night, Thursday. Okay, Thursday. Maybe I'll do a Thursday live show next week also. Here's a story, Monday night too. I, I want to tell you something. I, I, it's sort of like, you know, s- sort of like um, off this question, off ricocheting off this question, and that's too late. Ladies and gentlemen, it's never too late. It's never too late. It's never too late. Today's Lagba Omer. Think about it. What are we celebrating, people? What, what are we celebrating? What are we celebrating? We're celebrating the what? Kiva's students, 24,000 students, they stopped dying. So I heard a beautiful question. 24,000 students, they stopped dying on this day. What's the celebration, though? You had 24,000 students who, who died. There was no students left. Like, what do you mean we're celebrating? Okay, the other students that he got, the other tell me them. But why are we celebrating this? We should be mourning, not celebrating. The fact that they all died. This, this is the culmination of the tragedy. But no, we celebrate. And let me tell you why we celebrate. I'll tell you why we celebrate. I heard a beautiful vart from uh, Ephraim Goldman in Eretz Yisrael. It's beautiful. Listen, I want to share this. This is so important to listen to this. This is so important. What happened here with Rabbi Akiva? What happened? Rabbi Akiva didn't like, we're not talking about someone who's from, from birth, right? Rabbi Akiva comes from a family of Gerim. Rabbi Akiva was 40 years old. Rabbi Akiva started his, his journey, his trek for Torah when he was very, very old. He started from the bottom. 
He wasn't a super genius. He worked really hard after he saw the rock in the water. We know the story. If you don't know the story, it doesn't make a difference. But Rabbi Akiva, this unbelievable giant of a tzaddik, started when he was 40. He, he, he started he, all the way on the bottom. He didn't give up. He started when he was 40 years old. He asked all the tough questions. And it was all because of his wife. And he knew it. He knew it. At the end, when he had the 24,000 Talmudim, he said, this is all because of my wife. She waited all these years. She waited for me. She gave up everything. This is not for, the, for, for today's generation. But she gave up everything for Torah. And he realized it. And he did not give up. He never forgot his origins. And he never gave, gave up. He kept on going and going and going. So what does Rabbi Akiva do? He has 24,000 Talmudim. 12, right? Pairs of the Gemara. In... Where is it? The Gemara, I think it's in Yavamis. It says that what? It says that, I think it's Yavamis, that says that, that, that it was pair. 12,000 pairs of students died, right? They stopped dying today. If you look at Rabbi Akiva's life, even when he saw the Chorim Mesa he only saw positive. That's all he saw. When they saw a fox running out of the Kodesh Kadashim and everybody was crying at the pathetic sight, Rabbi Akiva laughed. Rabbi Akiva laughed and he said, we have both the prophecy of, of Uriah and Zechariah. That what? Uriah said that Sion should be plowed like a field. But Zechariah said, again, old men and old women sit in the streets of Yerushalayim. The streets of the city shall be filled with boys and girls playing. He saw the rebuilding of the base Hamikdash. He saw it in his head. All he saw was positive. This man, all he saw was positive. Think, ladies and gentlemen, he had 24,000 students die. I'm asking you a question. If you would have 24,000 students, you've done everything you can for Torah. Everything. You gave up. You were 40 years old. You gave up money. You gave up your family. You gave up everything for Torah. And Hashem then shows you that the 24,000 students that you put together, they die. What would you do? You would keep on going? Would you keep on going? But yes, guess what? That's what Rabbi Akiva does. He never stops. He never gives up. He still goes on. And it says that he had more Talmudim. So I don't care. I'm going to go on. And he had more Talmudim. Who were these Talmudim? Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Lazar ben Shemua, Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai, Lagba Omer today. You know what today represents? Today represents Rabbi Akiva's legacy, which was Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. If Rabbi Akiva would have given up, if he would have said, Kodesh Baruch Hu, obviously you don't want me to teach Torah anymore, so I'm done. He didn't do that. He said, I'm going to keep on teaching. Could you imagine this man? He never, ever gave up. And because of that came out, eventually Rabbi Huda Nasi actually came out from this. Rabbi Huda Nasi, which put together the Mishnah, and Rabbi Shimon Bayachai. This amazing, amazing Kedusha of Rabbi Shimon Bayachai all came because of what? Because of Rabbi Akiva. That's Lagba Omer, not giving up, realizing, I don't care if my marriage was tough and my husband, like this person who asked this question, my husband wasn't there for the kids, and, and, and we've been, you know, like, I'll tell you, the, the couples who I enjoy, I, sorry, the couples who I enjoy most seeing are the really older couples who come to me. The really older couples who've been married 30, 40, 50 years, and they come to me. Why? Because can you imagine, like, after all these years, they're not giving up. They want to make it happen. They're, let's do it. Let's do it. Of course, it's harder. Don't get me wrong. Those of you married young, of course it's harder. It's a different world when you're married for so long. But not giving up. Not giving up on your relationship. Not giving up on the Shekhinah. If you don't give up, you'll see you're going to have the Siyat HaDashmaiah. HaKadosh Baruch will give you the Siyat HaDashmaiah. Before I go today, I just want to mention um, that this Tuesday night, next Tuesday night in Mir Tzashem, which is May 12th, there's going to be a special program. Now, again, I mentioned this before. I usually, people ask me to speak. I'm very busy. I don't really have much time. But this, I said, you know, I'm going to be speaking at this event. There's an organization called Manucha. It, it's an organization for parents of special needs children, mostly autistic children, but special needs children. People who have special needs children, those of you who are in the crowd who have special needs children, you know it's very, very, very difficult. I don't have to tell you that. But what's most difficult sometimes is the fact that your husband is really not on the same team with you, or your wife is on the same team with you. It goes both ways. How do we deal with that? So I, I was invited to speak about this, to speak about building our marriages successfully to deal with our challenging children. Now I'm going to be focusing on that and what to do with that type of situation because I feel that it's a really big need for the community because when we unite as a couple, nothing can stop us. 
You know this. Everybody's listening to this. When we unite as a couple, when we have the Shechina with us, nothing can stop us. Nothing. We have to unite. We have to know how to unite, how to do it successfully. So the program is going to be this Tuesday night in Mitzvah Shem at the Renaissance, Renaissance in Borough Park. It's for ladies. Okay, It's for ladies. 14th Avenue and 59th Street, Tuesday, May 12th. It, it's going to be, the st- program starts at 8 p.m. with... Uh, with Rabbi Bach, Rabbinowitz is going to be speaking first, and then I'm going to be speaking. It's probably going to be Jewish time, okay? So 8 o'clock is not necessarily 8 o'clock, okay? But in any case, he's going to be speaking directly on how to deal with your autist, with, 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 with those of you who have autistic or special needs children. I'm going to be speaking about building your marriage successfully to deal with the challenging, with, with the challenging situation, and of course, to have Siyat because And that's how I want to end today. Let's remember, it's Lagba Omer. Let's unite. Those of you who have been listening to this, Give yourself an opportunity, another opportunity, Rabbi Akiva. That's what it's all about. There, w- there wouldn't have been a Rabbi Shimon Bar if not Rabbi Akiva. It all because of Rabbi Akiva, because he did not give up and he put up the Talmud. And of course, Shimon Bar was Meis Nefesh. Of course, he was Meis Nefesh in the cave, no question about it. But it all stemmed from not giving up. Let's not give up on our marriages, the Kedushas in our homes. If it means to, at the end of the show, to call your wife and to say to her, I'm thinking about you, or text her, I'm thinking about you. Or maybe text your husband, I just want to let you know, I really appreciate the fact that you're working for us. Or greet your husband tonight. Or be mavater for your spouse. That will bring the Shekhinah, that will bring the Kedusha. And then we will have more and more reason to celebrate on Lagba Aymer, next year Lagba Aymer Hashem in Miran, but everybody in Miran, everybody in Eretz Yisrael, Everybody to go to Yerushalayim and Miron will have room for everybody in Mitzvah Binya Beis Migdash, Bimher Amenu. Thank you very much. Have a great week.